Summer drinking season is long, which is why non-alcoholic beer is a great addition to your cooler. But what makes you reach for one NA beer over another? Is it great flavor, variety of styles? Maybe you just like a cool can. Well, no matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor, it's athletic. Award-winning styles, it's athletic. Huge variety, guess what? It's athletic. From IPAs, extra dark, sours, hazies, and more, to summertime favorites like light brews and goldens, it's the number one NA beer brand in the U.S. It's athletic. Ask for it. Fit for all times. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Think about it. You're hanging out at the beach. Maybe you're going to a music festival, ball game, camping, late night, early morning. Wherever the summer takes you, the best part is zero hangover the next day. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Hello and welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore here with Keith Parrish for your Grizzlies off-season update. Before we start, don't forget, you can get this podcast without ads by subscribing at theathletic.com slash NBA show. Keith, you are our man on the ground for the Grizzlies. I think you're everyone's man on the ground for the Grizzlies. Um, how's their summer been so far? It has been... It's been fine, Dave. I'm doing fine. Uh, no, it's been understated, perhaps, I think a lot of people had big dreams, Grizzlies fans and even non-Grizzlies fans. Uh, Danny LaRue over at The Athletic wrote that the Grizzlies could be the sleeping giants of this offseason back in March. The Grizzlies slept, snoozed through that whole thing. They actually didn't do very much. They made no big trades, really. They brought in no NBA veterans. They were not active in free agency. They were active in the draft, and they retained Tyus Jones. So... They're kind of, I think, holding in place and and going to rely on some of that in, internal development and growth. Well, let's start with Tyus Jones because I think that that was actually huge for them. He he played starting point guard for this team when John ja Morant was out. John ja Morant hasn't been the healthiest guy the last you know couple of years. Uh, huge guy. They had to bring him back. There was just no internal replacement. Um, how'd you like the deal for him? I mean, I think it's a bit rich, but it's one of those things where they weren't going to be active, as it turns out, in free agency. So why not? You had the money. You paid him. He very famously was excellent last year when Ja Morant was out, and the Grizzlies had an incredible winning percentage when he was the starter. He does provide that great jaw insurance. Ja, unfortunately, is perhaps prone to miss 10 to 20 games a year. That might just be how his career goes with his athleticism and his diminutive size. And so having Tyus Jones, having a guy who every year seemingly sets a record for assist to turnover 
ratio, having him in the fold, it, it gives them, it's like a luxury. I think a lot of us people who cover the Grizzlies thought at some point they might actually veer away from it and, and experiment with absolute no point guard lineups, but they did in fact decide to bring him back. And I think having him there, it just lays this like baseline of safety where the Grizzlies are never going to fall too far, even even when Jaws out. Well, and in particular, it was important to bring him back because this team lost Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton. And Kyle Anderson, in particular, his playmaking is going to be lost this next season. Right. I think they are going to miss the guys that they lost in DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson. And they just replaced them with rookies. And that is one of the reasons it might be feeling like an underwhelming offseason or I wouldn't be mad at anybody thinking the Grizzlies are going to take a step back from where they were last year when they won 56 games like Kyle Anderson with his playmaking also the turnovers that they forced John Morant um, not the greatest defender as we know and a lot of times the Grizzlies compensated with that where everyone else on the court was actually good at defense and good at forcing turnovers. And this team was top five in defensive rating last season, and they forced a ton of turnovers. They've actually led, the Grizzlies have led the NBA in steals each of the last two seasons. Now, the two guys who got the most steals over the last two seasons for the Grizzlies, it's Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton. So those guys out the door, it might change how the Grizzlies play this year. And so there is an issue like, you know, is that going to be a step back? Will they be as good at defense? I think they might not be as good at defense, but with the players they have returning, their entire starting lineup coming back, Dylan Brooks missed most of last season with injury. He is going to be healthy. And then you also still have off the bench, you retain Tyus Jones. You have Zaire Williams going into year two. You still have Brandon Clark. The Grizzlies, I mean, there's a lot of stats that say the Grizzlies were great last year because they won a lot of games, but the Grizzlies with those five guys, their starters, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., win healthy, caveat. Steven Adams, plus Tyus Jones, Zaire, and Brandon Clark, they stomped people all season. I think the net rating was they were plus 14 points per 100 possessions last season. In the regular season, with a lineup consisting of any of those eight guys, they were plus 20 net rating in the postseason with those guys. So I think they're thinking, hey, like guys, Jaw's going to get better, by the way. I don't know if you know that. Uh, John ja Morant was going to be top five MVP, I think, before he missed the final few weeks of the regular season. Uh, Jaw's going to be awesome. And then Desmond Bain, he's probably getting better. And they have this core of guys from last season that were great. And I think that's their plan of like, listen, yeah, Melton, great backup. Kyle Anderson, great backup. But we're going to restock those guys with the draft, and we already have a top eight we feel great about. Well, now's a great time to talk about the guy who was instrumental in that top five defense, Jaron Jackson. He is going to be out to start the season. He had surgery for a stress fracture in his foot. The estimated timetable puts him back sometime around the holidays, you know, according to the team's timetable, barring setback. Um, what are they going to do while he's out? How are they going to make do? That is the great mystery. He's supposed to come back at the earliest, possibly the end of October. So maybe he only misses a few games. But I think Grizzlies fans are scarred from a couple seasons ago where Jaron was out with a meniscus tear and the timeline kept getting pushed back and he essentially missed the entire season. And also when he came back, very rusty, did not look very sharp. So I have those concerns personally. Like, what if Jaron Jackson Jr. is rusty? If he does miss, like, 30 games, if it's later on the four- to six-month timetable, it's a huge question. Kyle Anderson started for him when he was out two years ago. He's gone, and now the question is, does somebody like Santi Aldama 
second team all Vegas Summer League star Sante Aldama? Like, can he fill in? Can he step in? Do any of the guys they drafted, are they ready? I'm not sure. I mean, they took Jake LaRavia. They traded up to get him with the 19th pick. Like, could he be the opening night starter? It's possible. Could Brandon Clark, whose minutes have always been rather limited. We know he's an impact player, but they normally keep him under 20 minutes per game. He's never particularly excelled when got the opportunity to start. Would they start him alongside Steven Adams? The obvious concern there is the spacing. Like, is someone else? Could Summer League hero Kenneth Lofton Jr. crack the rotation? I doubt it. But I think, honestly, all the options are going to be on the table for the Grizzlies when it comes to the opening night starter. Like, would they just play small ball? Would Zaire Williams step in? Maybe have Dylan playing the power forward? We saw Dylan Brooks guarding Carl Anthony Towns in the playoffs. So, like, you try to tell Dylan Brooks he can't be a power forward. Um, like, well, we'll see. But that is the huge question, and I don't have any idea, honestly, which which route they're going to choose. It's going to be a lot of Xavier Tillman and it Steven Adams be. at the five, uh, I imagine, which, you know, their small ball lineups with Jaron at the five were fantastic for them all year. That's the concern I have. It's not so much the starting lineup, who you're going to play next to Steven Adams, because I do think that, like you said, they have options there. It's how do they go small? And how do they counteract other teams' small lineups that I that I do worry about? Uh, I want to push back on something you said earlier. They didn't go and get any veterans. They did yes. bring in Danny Green. And I know that he's hurt, and he's going to be out at least to start the year um, and, and probably until close to the playoffs. But do you feel like Danny Green might give you something in the playoffs if he's healthy? So that is, that is a proper correction. We don't know what the what the story is with Danny Green. The Grizzlies currently have seven, sixteen, excuse me, sixteen guaranteed contracts. And when the trade for Danny Green happened, and he's coming off that ACL and LCL tear, I think a lot of thought was, all right, they might buy him out. They might try to trade him, and they still might. They push back the guaranteed date on his salary, so they don't really have to make a decision anytime soon. They have at least until opening night. I think if if I think if I were running the team, I would keep him around. And I'm not just pandering to you, maybe the world's greatest Danny Green fan, but that could be the veteran addition. That could be the D'Anthony Melson replacement. That could be your playoff guy that you need if, if you get the idea that he has a chance of returning. Like he was he was hurt at the beginning of May. And so We've seen some guys take a long time to return from these knee injuries, like Jamal Murray, Kawhi Leonard missed the entire the entirety of last season. But if Danny Green is trending towards like a ten month return, like I do think you know he can obviously help the team on the court with just three and D prototypical three and D providing some depth. So maybe that guy he will be the the veteran addition for the year. He's also a contract that they could move or attach to a deal at the Absolutely. deadline. So, you know, I, I understand the game. Uh, let's talk about some of these rookies. Uh, Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, Kennedy Chandler, Kenneth Lofton Jr., Vince Williams Jr., shout out to VCU. Um, with Jaron being out, with, with some of these other guys, some of the depth pieces being out, you know this team likes to play a lot of guys during the regular season. They're thinking long term. Which of these guys do you expect to see getting big minutes early? And by big minutes, I mean by rookie standards. So 10, 12 minutes. I would assume they're going to put LaRavia just out there. I know he was maybe not the most impressive in summer league. He seemed to have a reluctance to shoot the basketball. Uh, he averaged like four points per game in summer league. I think when you put him alongside Ja and Desmond and Dylan, he's going to get looks. And I think because of that draft investment in him, 
they'll put him out there. I, I remember last season with Zaire Williams coming off a, a disappointing college season, and you looked at the Grizzlies' depth chart, you're like, they got they got 10 guys probably better than Zaire. You know, he might just kind of season on the shelf for a while, maybe play with the hustle. No, no, no. He was in the rotation from the start, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if LaRavia gets the opportunity from the start. David Roddy, who looks more dominant in Summer League compared to LaRavia, I'm not sure how he fits exactly in the modern NBA, but I do think there's going to be minutes available, and they basically play 10 guys no matter what, no matter who's healthy. And so if you do get in this circumstance where Jaron is out for you know, a couple months into the season, they're going to play everybody. And they might get off to a slow start because they're saying, hey, listen, we believe in playing everybody. We believe in our depth. We believe in giving these guys an opportunity. So when we need them later on in the season, when we need them in the postseason, when we need them when somebody gets injured, when we need them next year, they're ready to go. They have a very long-term view to this entire team-building process. In the draft, I actually liked Kennedy Chandler for them as Tyus Jones insurance. If they lost Tyus Jones, I thought Kennedy Chandler could be a guy who come in and fill a similar role. I think he's going to play for them. So I think the one guy I would say is safe not to play early in the year is Kennedy Chandler. When when, when John Moran and Tyus to. Jones are both healthy, but you know he's not going to get into the game. But you say Tyus Jones insurance, like Tyus Jones made a lot of money. Guess what? You had a Tyus Jones contract with a Danny Green contract. Now we got a stew cooking. Now we can match some big salaries. Uh, if there are, I don't know, if there's some stars, maybe you're a little discontented come the regular season. If you need a salary match for one of those bigger deals out there, that could be an option. And if Kennedy Chandler shows something, then you feel good about moving on from Tyus. And Kenneth Lofton Jr., to me, he's the Kyle Anderson 2.0. This is such a natural fit to me. I think he's going to wind up being the guy that, that breaks through off a two-way. He really could. His game is so unique, and he's been good everywhere he's played basketball. That's at least my, my understanding. Everywhere he goes, he's good. And guess what? He went to Summer League as an undrafted guy on a two-way. He was good. And he's short, and he's not the typical dimensions of an NBA player, but like he knows how to use his body, and he's incredibly skilled. And I think he's going to be able to score, period. I think you put him out on an NBA court in the regular season, he's going to go get buckets. Will will he foul out in nine minutes? Possibly. Will, will guys blow by him? You know, maybe. But, like, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to keep betting on Kenneth Lofton Jr. until he stops being good when there's a basketball in his hands. Well, as we wrap up, uh, I want to circle back to what you said at the beginning. How do you feel about it? Did they get better? Did they take, take a step forward? Or is this sort of a more long-term approach that we should take to, to judging this summer? I think it is a long-term approach, but like if I'm talking about regular season wins, I would probably think they would win fewer games. I mean, winning more than 56 games, really hard. The West is and stacked, too. I the, mean, the, the Clippers West is, got John yes. Wall and Kawhi Leonard and, and Norman Powell. and I mean, it, it, the teams are better in the West this season than they were last year. Yes, and so like their standing will probably be lower, but I think... How healthy will they be, or how good will they be in March and April and then in May when it matters? There's a good chance they're going to be better. Because again, like, we shouldn't sleep on the fact, I'm going to go back to where I started. John Morant's going from year three to year four. Like, you're telling me he's not going to get better? John Morant became the first player ever to average at least 28 points and nine assists in a multi-round playoff run. Like, 
he's he's going into year four, guys. He's going to be an MVP candidate all season. You got Desmond Bain going from year two to year three. Once Jaron is healthy, this rotation is going to be awesome once again, and, and possibly that's where you're going to see that, hey, guess what? They are, in 